The following is a For Vengeance Media production. we love is undergoing a shift. What a beauty! Borders are breaking down. Some might say disappearing. Huge goal. And the freedom to choose is gaining momentum. Through it all, players are better than ever at all levels. From youth hockey to the best junior leagues and the highest level, the game is reaching new heights. Presented by Four Vengeance Media. This is Game Changers, the home of hockey. On Silent Ice TV. Game Changers, home of hockey, and what can you say? It's the first week of December. Hockey is, uh, it's tournament season. This is when it really begins. You go on your odd tournament in October and November, but there's always that seasonal Christmas tournament uh, that you go to. Maybe it's the first week, but there's so many of them, you have to jam them in. And then you have, of course, the World Juniors, uh, over the uh, Christmas break. But before that, one of the biggest events on the hockey calendar, especially for the JPHL, is the Winter Championship. It's next week, a week from when this episode first comes out on Wednesday, the 13th to the 17th. And man, speaking of the Winter Championship, uh, it is tradition to go big or go home. And we have a stellar cast and crew lined up for you all week when it comes to production from Four Vengeance Media on Silent Ice TV. But in particular, Gold Medal Sunday. You will definitely want to uh, stay tuned with one of our guests today as we introduce one of the uh, stars of the show that will join us on the 17th. So, Who's on the show today, you might be asking? Well, we are going to go pawn to the pros with uh, a man that I have known for over 30 years and easily gets the nomination as nicest man in media. Yes, that is the Principe of puns, Gene Principe, host of Oilers Hockey on Rogers Sportsnet. Gene is such a nice man, and uh, you're not going to get enough of Gene over the next little while. Also, Ed Sawatsky, the head coach of the U18 team for Lethbridge United when it comes to the JPHL. Uh, They have a great program, made some great progress last year. Finding out this year things are tough when you don't have an MVP caliber goaltender, but still making a good push heading into the Winter Championship. So really looking forward to Uh, to chatting with both of these uh, gentlemen. Uh, But first of all, we are going to chat with Ed Sawatsky. Our first guest is the man behind the bench in Lethbridge and the all-time single-season points leader for the Yorkton Terriers, Ed Sawatsky, joins the show now. Ed, thanks very much for joining me here on Game Changers. Uh, I guess let's just uh, start with the the path that led you uh, into the Junior Prospects Hockey League. Well, first of all, uh, thanks for having me on, uh, Dean. I really admire the work you're doing, and it's been going awesome. So I I guess my path really started uh, on a personal note with uh, Wade Klippenstein, which is our hub manager, and uh, he he reached out to me and – I know his background and stuff, so when a, when a guy like that gets behind things, uh, you definitely want to get on board and follow. And then some you know, calls uh, <clears throat> to the GAPHL and some of the guys that are running it. Um, so you know, it kind of evolved from there, and uh, I think it was in a good spot for, for me to come, and uh, I'm happy that I'm on board. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, the same guy that you, you talked to, I, I reached out to about this league as well before 
uh, even even getting involved to you know kind of find get his feel. So uh, we're we both rely on on the same guy for good information. Um, what did you know about independent hockey before getting involved? And has your opinion changed uh, since? I think a lot of people have misconceptions about independent hockey before they know about it. What did you know about it? Well, it's it's funny that you say, and I also want to give thanks to Stephen Gertson and Tyrell. They, they were big instrumental on, on convincing me and getting me on board and accepting, you know, for the type of coach I am. And back to your question, I guess, I guess it really started uh, – was way back. I have a son that's a 99. So there's programs out in Saskatchewan. It's called the Wheatland Wild. So back then it was kind of, uh, you know, in its infant stages and we would put a little group of uh, players together and play in some tournaments during the summertime. So I thought it really advanced a lot of the kids in our area's uh, uh, hockey development and uh, went forward from that. And then obviously uh, uh, growing up in Saskatchewan, you know, the, the factory or the, what do you want to call it in Wilcox with Notre Dame. So I got, I got a touch of that at an early age and then obviously did my own thing for uh, playing and coaching and then um, got involved with uh, the pursuit of excellence in Kelowna with a great guy named David Roy and it just kind of went from there and uh, changed my viewpoint and uh, it's been an uh, exciting ride so far. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I I walked into the JPHL knowing nothing about it, and I walked away from my first showcase going, "Wow, what a neat concept, and what a really great group of people. Very welcoming, and uh, you know, obviously uh, they want to put on a good product, which is where we come in with with Four Vengeance. And you know, I thought the the hockey last year was good. You know, I, I thought it was competitive. What do you think about the play this year, year two? Uh, some tweaks have been made. Some more people know about the league. What would you say the level is compared to year one in year two? Well, uh, I'm like you. I was a little bit – I went with an open mind also uh, last year. And, uh, you know, the level of players and the draft picks involved and the, and the ma- number of scouts that were watching our league, uh, you know, it really got off to a great start. I thought, you know, obviously year one and then they – they're, they're labeling it the encore. I think it's just added. And I think, uh, well, impressively, a number of other hubs have joined and in different uh, age groups. But I think the parity and, uh, you know, the and throughout the lineups in each hub and the games. And especially now with the divisions, uh, I think there's been some real intense games, especially in our Alberta division. Uh, and if you've witnessed those, and I think, you know, uh, players of that age need to have that when they go to their training camps in junior or where they might go on. They need to have that intensity, and uh, I don't think there's ever a dull moment, and you're, you're witness to that this year. I think, you know, sometimes the score gets away. There's some, you know, teams that are a little are able to do that and, and uh, you know, uh, make up for some mistakes that may, they make, but they're, they're, everybody's playing right hard to the buzzer. Yeah, you know, and I found that really interesting last year is there were some, you know, a little bit what you call blowouts early on. And after January, I only personally witnessed one. And and there's been, you know, I always find there's a little bit more early in the season that the competitiveness really tightens up. Maybe it's after the winter championship uh, where it really kicks in, as we'll get to in a second. But, you know, you've been around a lot of different leagues. How would you describe the style of play? If you had to give the JPHL a style of play, how would you describe it for somebody who's never seen it? Well, I think it's just uh, players giving it at all. I don't know if that's a motto or something we can have in our league, but I think uh, I think the rest situations, how the, the league is set up with weekends off, I don't think uh, when you go in on a Friday that uh, the players are ready to go. Like they've been kind of chomping at the bit. They've been doing their exercises and their prep work for that. So I think that's the most impressive thing, and maybe that's what we can uh, throw our, our hat on is just uh, every game's going to be a big one. You know, there's no – uh, lopsided ones or teams that you can uh, take for for granted. Uh, good example was us a couple of weeks ago and in and and knocking off the t- you know the top team. So that can happen to anybody. And and like my hub manager always said, it's it's a great situation for our group right now because we've been kind of hanging around the middle of the pack. So we can't uh, we have competitive games every time we play. Yeah, you you really do, and um and and that's the thing that I love is that you know you can go into one weekend as the top team, and the bottom team could win three games and and climb up the standings, and if you win the winter championship, uh, obviously big things come as we'll get to. But you kind of mentioned it, the the style of um, the overall, you know, you go into a, a showcase concept. 
You have skill development. You have on ice and off ice time. And you also have family time away from the rink. So this is the thing that I, you know, aside from the hockey, I love the balance, the life balance in this league, whether it's players, coaches, families in general. How do you think all of that plays in while still getting the players the important skill development and on ice time? Well, I think it's excellent. Obviously, I think all over uh, Canada and wherever you want to be, there's, uh, you know, ice time challenges. But, you know, the cooperations, you know, I can speak for Lethbridge with our school system and and able to get the kids over to the rink a little bit and the, the follow up from the teachers there and then directly to their workout. And then they're home by supper time, which is really like that junior college type model. And uh, I think, you know, obviously, uh, uh, I think it's going to thrive that way. And then obviously with our price point at where it's at, I think the, the kids are really benefiting from that. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit of like the old school kind of small town Saskatchewan where you're raised by the community where, you know, in Lethbridge, we have different skills coach, strength coaches, mental coaches. So uh, I think time utilization is big. I think some kids are still learning it on our group this year, but I think that is the biggest thing, do you know, is that, and you've seen it, uh, I think our league is thriving because it's just uh, we're utilizing time during the day. Yeah, and, and you know, kids actually get to do something with their families uh, instead of being at a rink every single weekend. I mean, sometimes you are if you have, have multiple kids in there, but it, it does give a nice balance. And it also, uh, I mean, when you compare it to other leagues, the amount of on ice and skill time and gym time, um, they, they have it structured really really cool they also do the showcase model where you fly in uh, for a weekend and sure it's beautiful to be at the silent ice center and and how gorgeous that is but hosting your own showcase was huge what did that do for you guys uh not only for the kids to be able to say hey this is our league but also for recruiting yeah it's it's huge it's going to take a little bit of growing pains like I, i go back to when uh uh a mentor and owner of uh, pursuit of excellence when he came up with the idea to have an academy in Kelowna it takes a little bit of growing pains and uh, you know in Lethbridge and I'm a little bit new to the community and stuff you know there's a good grain and they've been doing a good job with minor hockey so it's a little bit new but that showcase was huge we you know we had our uh, school band out there and we got people talking about it and gives them a definitely an option for us next year and with us adding another team uh, I think it's just a step in the right direction. And you know how it is. The kids always want to play at home in front of their friends and stuff. So that's a good little uh, added spice or whatever you want to call that, you know. And, I, you know, for the most part, uh, we did a great job. We have our, our lady there, Mel Klippenstein, that takes most care of most of the logistics and stuff like that. So we'll debrief, uh, you know, probably halfway through the season here on, on plans for next year. But we're pretty excited. And uh, we have a great facility there. We just mm-hmm. got to work on our cooperation and, and that sort of thing and build that good, strong relationship. But we, we're going to be excited about hosting another one. Yeah, I think every community, and I was, I was in Lethbridge and I saw the excitement there. Um, I was in Williams Lake and, and saw the same thing. So I think it's really important for um, not just, you know, as, as convenient and as beautiful as these arenas are, it's important to get out to the local community so the kids can say, this is my league. And, and they can really feel, and I, I, I'm guessing the kids felt a little bit more ownership of the team after they had a home game. Yeah, exactly right. You know, they, they're, they want to be recognized in the community. It's a kind of a, you know, social media type uh, lifestyle. Now you want to get those likes, right? And uh, I think we're doing a good job in here. We've had some people put together some Christmas things and uh, get out in the community and get to some kindergarten classes and, and get our, our label or our brand out there as Lethbridge United and a real strong alternative to, to what's going on in mainstream hockey. So uh, definitely it's going to take a bit, but uh, we got good leadership and good people pushing it forward. And next up, the Winter Championship, December 13th to 17th uh, in the Edmonton area. Four arenas, uh, mostly at the Silent Ice Center, and and it's going to be fantastic. I remember how competitive the Winter Championship was last year when we held it at uh, the Kinsman Arena. This is an event that it can really springboard you. If you win this tournament, you get home ice advantage in the playoffs. Now, it is a tournament format, so it's a little bit different than a regular showcase. You're not guaranteed to be playing on the weekend. So how do you go into this weekend and how do you prepare your team for this sort of a little bit different of a format, almost like a little bit of a playoff preview? 
Yeah, I, you know, he, you know, the kids watch, you know, the World Juniors and championships like that, and and that's the format, you know, whether it's a Junior A championships or the Memorial Cup. So it doesn't matter. You you can prepare, you know, for a specific team, but I think more so you got to have the right mindset with your own team and, and pushing forward or or pulling on the rope or chain together. Uh, it's something that all these players, you know, aspire and you know, future. Uh, uh, hockey careers is to play in these short-term tournaments and you know I feel with our group here I have some experience in doing those tournaments uh, it's always a little bit because you don't want to uh, say okay this is the power play for the weekend or whatever but they have an understanding that that might that might probably coming down the loop so you know our last group there our last trip to Edmonton I kind of came up with the phrase well we can play a little bit of freestyle and try and throw it at, throw it out there or we got to get on the same page here and our our motto is you know stick to the plan here and believe so i'm excited i feel that you know one of our strengths is our our bench management and stuff and uh it's going to be an exciting time like you said uh i always say to the kids you know you know you want to be playing on that final game because that's when probably most you know the eyes are going to be on you so uh don't pass up that chance and when your best is needed you know uh you got to give your best and, and I will just say, from a broadcast point of view, you are really going to want to be on that final day because we are uh, putting together a pretty impressive show. So uh, just for that aspect, um, your team, uh, I thought there was a real fun study in resilience last year. You had a, a lopsided win early in the season. I asked your GM about it. He said, that will not happen again. And it didn't. You guys made the final four. Uh, it came within one shot of forcing a game three against the champions. Where do you think you guys improved the most last year as the season went on? Well, I think every coach is searching for that. You know, I think obviously, I don't. We're, I think it's maybe we're going to talk about him a little bit, but Ryan DeCook is, was kind of the leader of our team. So we, we adapted. We played that type of style. We, uh, you know, we bent at times, but we didn't break. And uh, if we made a little mistake, uh, our defensive side of things picked it up. But I thought we got into a real close, like, you know what, if we would have got that one goal against the uh, Titans there, it would have been interesting. We just needed that little extra belief. But, uh, you know, we had a good uh, Calgary came on. It was a great series and we carried some momentum into there and we had a good belief. We were sticking together as a team and, and we played, we played those guys tough. And I think, uh, you know, we were close and, you know, we get the goalie out. And I always say if we can get a chance to get the goalie out, even down two, we can make it interesting. But I think that's the type of, uh, you know, mentality we have with our group right now. We don't have no uh, guys that are top 10 in scoring or whatever, but we try and emphasize to the guys that uh, every team, uh, you know, might need a player like you. So, you know, play to your abilities and, and play to the best of your abilities. So I think that'll be our model going into that winter showcase and, uh, like you said, uh, things have a tendency. You've watched enough hockey that mm -hmm. you get on the right wave. Who who knows could win that championship? I think that's such a great point is that, you know, teams aren't as much as you would love to have uh, nine or 12 Connor McDavid's on your team. That's not how you build a team. You know, a, a club might be looking for an energy, a penalty killer, a defensive specialist. So whatever your strength is um, and play to it. And you mentioned Ryan DeCook. I mean, it was so amazing watching him last year. If there was a JPHL MVP, he would have been in the running for sure because he was sensational. And I think he's in the running for Rookie of the Year in the AJHL. I, I'm surprised he didn't get more of a look for the World Junior A Challenge. I'm, I'm really surprised about that. But, you know, I know he came down to see you guys when you were in Edmonton one time. When I talked to him one time, he said the, the shout-out. So he's still keeping in touch. Uh, you got Magarel up here as well. So what is it like for you and your team to be able to watch a guy like that succeed? And, and how do you think that motivates everybody else on your team? Well, you know, that's, you know, you're in that business. I think, uh, you know, you do a great job with the video on our, on our league, but obviously I think somewhere down the line, you're probably going to put a little montage with Ryan to cook and, and I can be the biggest advocate of it. Uh, you know, we practice over in Lethbridge at three o'clock and anytime he could get on the ice and, and get out there early and work on some stuff. And, you know, as a goalie, sometimes, you know, you, you, you concentrate on some things in practice or fundamentals that don't involve the goalie. And I'd look down there and he'd be doing some crease work or, or stick handling or whatever. So he took full advantage of what was given to him by the JPHL and the Lethbridge uh, United last year. And uh, he made the commitment to us early and, uh, you know, it's paying off. So what else can I do? Like what you talked about recruiting before, 
you know, a little montage of what, how it worked out for Ryan to cook. And he's not the biggest guy or the greatest uh, goalie or whatever, but his habits just became real strong. And I think, uh, you know, I didn't get, haven't got to watch him live this year, but I would, I would guess that uh, when maybe it's not going his way, he just relies on the habits that he's picked up over the last year and a half. It, that's exactly uh, what has happened. And, you know, it's been, uh, hasn't been the easiest season uh, for, for the Saints, but he's doing exactly what he did last year, as, as you see here, calm, collected, uh, doesn't seem to ever get bothered. Uh, he obviously gets upset when goals go in, but never to the point mm-hmm. where it was detrimental. Like he, he is one of the calmest goaltenders I've seen. Yeah, you're exactly right, and, and you can't you can't fault a player, especially at that age, to get a little bit emotionally involved. But uh, you know w- whether he's doing his own private uh, mindset or training or whatever he's doing, he's able to you know turn that switch off from maybe letting in a bad goal to continuing on and giving his team a chance to win. So yeah, definitely a poster boy for Lethbridge United. And moving forward, uh, you know there is talk that he's getting some aspirations or getting some interest from teams above. So wow. Great, great, you know, hats off to him. Yeah, it, it's awesome. You know, anytime uh, the kids go to the next level, uh, whether it's a guy like Antonio Martorana uh, with the Titans, who's yeah. uh, having a great season uh, with Seattle, yeah. uh, Lazad on your team was uh, listed earlier by the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's such a, f- a cool thing to see these guys, as, as the JPHL uses the term, to level up uh, to the next one. And speaking of that, your career took you from Yorkton, Saskatchewan, where you set the uh, single-season points record, 152. And uh, I'm familiar with that Yorkton area, being from Manitoba, so uh, I know the the good players. You also went to Colorado College for four years, eventually uh, professionally and and in Germany, where you had almost 1,000 points. And I think that's a really um, important message to pass on to the players. Every player wants to get to the NHL. We know how few get there. But a career in hockey... Uh, can take you a lot of cool places. Is that a message that that you try to uh, pass on to the players? Well, I, you know, I, I definitely try and stay grounded. I, I still come back here. We have our cabin at Good Spirit Provincial Park. I grew up in a little town called Langenberg. And as you know, and your brother knows, and maybe we'll get on the chirp someday, but <laughs> in my little town, my little town there, we had, well, you'll know him, Kelly Buckberger, captain of the Oilers, Jeff Rogers uh, down the road, Theron Fleury was down the road, Kevin Kaminsky, uh, got to be good friends with Lyle Odeline. So when you talked about, uh, you know, the infancies of putting good players together and the, and the restrictions that we found out or our parents found out that it wasn't easy to put us all together on the same ice, but they were always motivation for me. And uh, uh, I was fortunate enough to play a long time and uh, uh, coach a long time and I've, I've been involved in it. Um, and, you know, when you get to my age and you, you get through some different things in life, I was pretty much fortunate to stay uh, injury free with no majors, major things. And then you get to the age where you got, you know, the last little while you, you have your personal battle with uh, cancer and I got a hip replacement and stuff like that where you got to rely on others. But I guess my biggest what I'm trying to get to is, uh, you know, work hard at the level that you're at. Like uh, enjoy the being a U18 in the JPHL and be the best guy you can be. And I think even in my career, you always have a tendency to, oh, this isn't, you know, I'm too good for this. I'm, I'm looking to go to junior and then uh, I'm in my time in junior and I want to go to college and then I'm in college and I want to go to pro. Just slow down a little bit, put in your hours, put in your reps. This JPHL model is great. Just, you know, stick with it, stick with the plan. There's great coaches in here, great people leading you. So just stay right there and, and, the, and the next level will take care of itself. You'll get good recommendations from people. We have, uh, you know, Richard does a great job as commissioner and stuff. So I think it's a great model. It was put together by great people. Just So just stay in the moment, work hard at where you're at, and uh, things will take care of itself. It's so true because, you know, whether you play a 25-year career or whatever it might be, if, you, if you've set the record for the most games in the NHL, as Patrick Marlowe did and, and told me on this show, it goes by like that, whether you're done at U18 or you're done in the NHL, the career goes so fast in the grand scheme of things. So that is such a good thing to remember is wait till you get to that next level, enjoy this level. And and the less you worry about that, the probably the easier it's going to be getting to that. Although that's so much easier to say as, as we are at our age, a little bit harder to get it into the minds of 17 and 18 year olds, because we remember 
what we were like. Yeah. And, and ultimately, that's what we're dealing with is, is young kids and trying to get them to the next level in life, whether that's hockey or not. I think that's the goal of the JPHL. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. You know, it's all, it's cliche. You know, you go back to it. You listen. I listen to a lot of those podcasts out there, and you talk to guys. And I wasn't fortunate enough to play in NHL, but I, I I can give my knowledge all the way up to the American Hockey League. We got you know Belzy that played in NHL, a number of other good coaches, right? So just players, just control what you can control at this moment because sometimes it doesn't always stay in your control. So do extra reps, get on the ice a little bit early, and that's what I try and tell my players. It's like. What are you doing when nobody's watching, right? So right. Uh, I like to get out there early as an old guy. I like to do that first hard lap on fresh ice. There's nothing better better than that, and you could probably ask any coach that. But then I like to sit back and guide. And as you know, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to have our best foot forward here in the winter thing. But, you know, do your work. Uh, you know, if you do a move or you do something and it doesn't, uh, you know, work out the way you want it, well, do it again. You know what I mean? And that's tough. Don't. Don't go off to the side or look for another message or whatever. Just do it again. Do it again and probably end up doing it correctly seven out of ten times. Great stuff, Ed. Uh, it's been awesome getting to know you and watching uh, JPHL uh, Lethbridge United grow. And uh, can't wait to see you and the boys in blue at the Winter Championship uh, next week. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. Okay. On the junior front, the Saints are in Grand Prairie tonight. I will have the call for you for that one on uh, Spruce Grove Saints Radio Network. Brandon Ewan Cheshin is back on the mic Saturday night when the Saints are back at home. They will be taking on Okotoks, and Ewan will be back on the mic along with Tyler Woke and myself hosting. Tickets at sprucegrovesaints.ca. Make sure you bring a toy on the Grant Fuhr Arena when you come on Saturday night. It's the annual Christmas Hamper Toy Drive brought to you by Next Gen Transportation. We will be stuffing the Saints bus with toys and gift cards in support of the Connects Christmas Hamper Program because every child deserves to open a gift on Christmas. So you can find out more information and you can get your tickets uh, for upcoming games at sprucegrovesaints.ca. As for the Seattle Thunderbirds, uh, they take on Tri City and Portland this weekend. And then they're off until the 13th, wrapping things up on December 17th with a game against Vancouver before the Christmas break. And you can go to chl.ca Seattle Thunderbirds. No JPHL this weekend, but we do have the Challenge Cup on Sunday. And this is the 2012 version of the Challenge Cup. Uh, so no JPHL until the 13th, which is the winner championship, but For Vengeance Media will be busy. It's the 2012 born group. All the Sunday games will be broadcast on silenticetv.com with a super show uh, coming your way when it comes to the Challenge Cup. And uh, man, you are going to love that programming that we have at Hatch Arena Silent Ice Center this Sunday for all of your Challenge Cup needs when it comes to the 2012 division. Speaking of super shows, our next guest will join us for our Winter Championship Gold Medal broadcast. You won't want to miss the announcement with Gene Principe as we chat about Connor McDavid and the Oilers with the host of Oilers Hockey on Rogers Sportsnet. Gene, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's been uh, a wild ride uh, with the Oilers uh, all season, but especially right now. There's never enough practice time when you talk to coaches uh, during an NHL season, and the players, on the other hand, might want to just keep rolling with this four-game streak. So we might not know the answer until after Wednesday, but what do you think about the break right now and, and when it comes for the Oilers? I think, Dean, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I think the one thing I do know is that the Oilers are happy uh, going into the break and are happy coming, coming out of it. So uh, I feel like if they had lost four in a row and going into a break like this, it, it would really uh, linger and uh, really not let the players enjoy it as much as they could. But I've 
believe now that the team is is back, that they did enjoy having a few days off. Uh, in the hockey world, as you know, a couple of days off seems like a long time. In the real world, that's quite normal. You know, you finish work a lot of times on Friday and you go back to work Monday. Uh, so I, I, I like it for them. They know that they have a, a upcoming break later at the end of January as part of the All-Star break. So I, th I think it serves them well. And I, I really don't feel like it slows down any momentum uh, for them. I, I believe that if they were losing, the break would have been more important to really just refresh. But I don't think they lose anything just because they haven't played uh, eventually within six days. And, and it's a, a good break because, let's remember, who could forget, it's a brand-new coaching staff. So this is a little bit like their training camp to be able to implement a few more things that maybe Chris Knobloch and, and Paul Coffey and company haven't been able to do. So I guess the biggest question in Oilerland is, do you think they're back after this four-game uh, win streak against three teams that are playoff teams, the defending champs? I mean, if there was ever a good test going into the break, that was it. Yeah, let me let me answer your statement first, which you weren't asking a question, but I, I agree with you. I think for a new coaching staff, a new head coach in particular, uh, having some time to, uh, you know, in some ways, first and foremost, get to know the players. Like there just isn't there just isn't a lot of time to sit and chat uh, about hockey and about other stuff. When you're new, you're trying to cram a bunch of not a lot of new things, but some new things in and you're playing every second day and you're traveling. And so I, I think for Chris Knobloch, the break is important. Um, and, and I do think they're back. Uh, listen, I don't think there's anybody in the hockey world at 2-9-1 that felt like the Edmonton Oilers were a 2-9-1 hockey club. That was their record, but I really felt like that wasn't their team, if that makes sense. Uh, now they have shifted into, you know, they've won seven of their last 10. One of those came with the previous coach. The other six came with the new coach. And they're playing the kind of hockey that we are accustomed to seeing from them. And I, th I think the one thing I, I would say to you regarding the Oilers and, yeah, the Heritage Classic and you think they're back. Or when Leon Dreisaitl set a new franchise record for power play goals earlier in the year versus Nashville. Yes. So there have been a couple of what we think might be false starts, but they just weren't ready to get out of it. Now they're ready to get out of it. And as they get set for a six-game homestand, they've got a great opportunity here. Uh, against a, a, a mix of teams, uh, some higher in the standings, some a little bit lower in the standings. Uh, but I think one thing we've learned is anyone can truly beat anyone on any given night. So I, I think that it's kind of like that, and they have, they're not going to get scared again by those kinds of early season results. These are kind of the Edmonton Oilers that we expected to see defensively much better and and that's obviously what everybody has been focusing on the goals against have been down and and the the wins have come you're not always gonna have it that way but finding a way to win when you don't have it is equally important and I guess that leads to the other big question looming around this team is and it, and it ties in with the goals against is Jack Campbell who has looked much better in the AHL as of late where do you think this situation goes? There, there's, there's really not a lot of options for them to, to be able to do something. It's, you know, either bring Campbell back up or find somebody else. Th those are really the options that they have. Yeah. What do you think happens first? Well, yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I've never seen so much interest in an American Hockey League goalie in my life. It seems like every time Jack plays, he's trending, at least on my ex or Twitter. That's that shows you the, I guess, the interest in in Jack. Uh, it's it's amazing how every game, you like, you'd have to go out of your way to find out AHL results if you weren't looking for them, and now you can't help but see them. Certainly, in my case, I, I see them all the time. Every time he plays, I don't necessarily see uh, when uh, Rodrigue, the the young kid, is in net. I don't see it trending right, but he also isn't making five years uh, times five million dollars. A year, so I, I get that. Uh, a couple things: Calvin Pickard has been just under 900 save percentage, and to be honest with you, I think every time he's been in, um, he's been pretty good. Like I don't, I don't think that when the Oilers have lost with Calvin Pickard in that, that you'd say, oh well, that's because he's American Hockey League goalie. Far from it. He's very well liked, which does go a long way in keeping somebody around who's only going to play you know, once a week, maybe. Uh, the other thing is Stuart Skinner's back to playing like he was as a rookie. So what I think most importantly, Dean, it's given Edmonton is time. 
and it's given Jack time because if Stewart was struggling or the team was back to the early season ways and Calvin Pickard wasn't able to make up for that, then they would have to do something like now uh, or yesterday or last week. But for now, they can kind of ride this out and and see what happens. I, I remember this is a I remember Yesen Pugliarvi, who was up and down for the minors. What, what do you do? Keep him there. Bring him up. Keep him there. Bring him up. And I remember one time in particular, they sent him down with the idea. He's staying down there for like six weeks to two months. It might have been six days he was called back up because they needed him or felt like they wanted him in the lineup. So whatever the Oilers are doing, uh, they have been given time. What's happening up here? What's happening down there? And listen, I, I just feel like if Jack can build his confidence up to a point where and his game, um, I, I don't see why they wouldn't give him a shot to come back up. I, that's just my opinion. Everyone has an idea of what they should or shouldn't do. But uh, listen, they signed him. He's got a long-term deal. He's there. He's available. He's an option. If they need him, uh, you know, bring him back up. What's to say that if he plays two or three games and they maybe don't go quite as well as the Oilers like, that he doesn't get sent down? You don't want this to be an up and down thing, but I would, I guess, bottom line is I would give him another chance. I, I think he is on the way to earning that and deserves it, hopefully, for his sake and the Oilers' sake. It's interesting. Two things when it comes to social media and Jack Campbell is the trending is interesting oh. because there was a guy from the Detroit Lions, a linebacker who had a great game for the Lions named Jack Campbell, who was also trending yeah. yesterday. And I'm like, Jack Campbell's trending and I would see a bunch of Lions and then I would see some Oilers. So that was interesting. And the other thing is, no matter where Jack Campbell is, he's doing great things uh, away from the rink. A great uh, video yeah. of him talking to oh. a young goaltender. I mean, this is a guy yeah. who yeah. could easily go and hide, Gene, and he is front and center yeah. trying to make another person's life better. That shows you the type yeah. of person he is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Logan Campbell, we tried to run that. Uh, that It was such a cute video. Uh, we had hoped to run it versus Winnipeg, the final game before the All-Star break, but we just didn't. We just kind of ran out of time, which is amazing considering we're on TV for about three hours. But such is the case. You've been there before when you think you got lots of time and then you don't. But I agree. I, you know, to follow up, I, you know, I had this conversation with someone and and, and I'll say, well, he's such a good person. I'm like, hang on, you have to you have to differentiate, right? Someone is in the NHL to produce results. And so it's you can't just say, well, he's a good person. He deserves that. So I, I do understand that. But uh, if the results are there and he's a good person, that gives me two reasons uh, to want him to get another shot. So I, I think Jack probably, like he did when he got started early this season, he wanted to prove something to himself, to others. Um, I, I think he may want to do that again. So I, if, if it works, listen, if Stewart reels off a ton of wins and Calvin Pickard's save percentage is 0.920, yeah, maybe you don't do anything, but if there's a, a certain opportunity to bring them up and play them, why not? Yeah, it's, I, I think uh, it's all what this team is doing right now, and if it's needed, that then a move is made. Yeah. But this is a, a strange schedule for December. I think it's 12 games, six-game homestand, as you referenced earlier, and then I think six games on the road, but split up yeah. with the Christmas break. I think that's pretty favorable for the Oilers as December, you know, you, you really have to be in the mix by the end of December. I think for this team, you don't want to push it. You don't want to try to miracle St. Louis blues it into the, into the playoffs. So they were last and the Oilers aren't, but yeah. this schedule I think is actually a good thing for the Oilers to make up some ground. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And you know, it's interesting when, when Jay was let go and, and, you know, lots of people were including the players probably were a bit shocked by everything Ken Holland said, you know, I didn't know if I could wait another week to 10 days. And at the time you're thinking, what's a week to 10 days? Well, a week to 10 days is it's four to five games, maybe one more than that. And you see how good the Oilers have been playing. And they're still, you know, it, it's still a climb, right? And, and they've had a good run. They've won four in a row. They could win four more in a row and they might not necessarily be right on a playoff spot. They might be you know, two points out or something, because while they're playing, so is everybody else. So I, I think that the schedule works great. The other thing, Dean, is, you know, it's a long flight to New York, but then they're they're locked in for three games and that and then they come home and have those days off during the Christmas break. And then it's off to California, San Jose, L.A. and Anaheim. So they're not like Dallas, um, Anaheim, 
Colorado where you're kind of flying all over. So they kind of set up a bit of a home base, particularly in New York, to some extent in California. So I, I like it. it. It's set up for them quite nicely to, to play hard, to rest, to play hard, to rest. And then it's 2024 and we'll see where they're at. Yeah, and then by the end of the season, we'll see where McDavid and Dryside will sit because obviously yeah. we know as these guys go, this team goes. They're closing in uh, when, as we're recording this on a, on a Monday, they are tied, and I think Kucherov is around forty. Where do you think McDavid Drysital finish? And like, I, like there there should be some with with all the betting stuff going on. There should be some sort of odds we can get yeah. on them going one two in the scoring race. I don't think I'd bet against it, Gene. I, you know, I I've. I thought this team was Stanley Cup or bust at the start of the season. I still think if they get in, they can do that. But I would not bet against these two guys finishing in the top five or top three of scoring. I'm with you on that. For sure, top five. I'm thinking top three, and I wouldn't be surprised. I know it's a climb, but listen, a lot of their points can and will come on the power play. And when the Oilers score in the power play, generally those two guys – are involved in the goals and add in a third person. Um, and, and if they're not on the first one, then they will be on the second one or the third one. So I think the power play will help get them going. And, and they're just, you know, I don't know what comes first. Connor Leon scoring, team winning, or team winner winning, Connor and Leon scoring. It's, it's probably a little little lean to more towards Connor and Leon getting going and then and then the team wins and, and then everybody succeeds sort of offensively and defensively. But I, I, you're not getting me to tell you Connor McDavid's not winning the, the, the Art Ross this year. No chance. No chance. Because uh, as you said, when we record, he's about 10 points back. Uh, we did a graphic last game of how he jumped, you know, from he was like, not too bad. Then, then he, he got hurt, missed a couple games, was injured coming back, dropped to 91st out of the top 100. Um, and, and now he's, he's kind of in that top 10 or take a spot depending on especially once they get back to playing on Wednesday he may have fallen out of the top 10 but listen a, a, another good week and he's probably in <laughs> the top five so uh I and, and Leon's with him Leon doesn't you know Leon doesn't need uh Connor to carry his hockey stick around he knows what he's doing as well when it comes to putting up points so I would see them for sure in the top five quite likely in the top three quite possibly one and two by the time this season's over. Gene, this is as close uh, as I remember the NHL being to the 80s when Gretzky and Lemieux were so dominant. And I'm not saying McDavid is Gretzky or Lemieux. I'm saying the gap when those guys get hot is kind of the same. I mean, when Gretzky was getting 200 points, we're not going to see that again. But McDavid, yeah. you know, the 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 ceiling is so high and, and Dreisaitl right there. This is what people didn't understand what was happening in the 80s is that Gretzky would get like 12 points in a three-game stretch and then yeah. his lead would be so high. And, and, and we saw that last year. And if McDavid can make the climb and win the scoring race, it's, it's as close as we've ever had to those Lemieux-Gretzky days. Since then, there's been great players, but nobody has ever, I don't think, separate. Even Crosby and, and Ovechkin haven't ever separated them the way McDavid did last year. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, uh, you know, we, we had to split Gretzky's goals and assists uh, when it came to hockey pools, right? Because it just, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't fair to just take Wayne Gretzky. So you had to take Wayne's goals or Wayne's assists. Connor is kind of along those lines, right? Last year, he had the 64 goals, and i got to do the math. Is that 91 assists? Uh, 89? Maybe 89 assists. So Lots. So yes. you could you could split them up where you say, hey, uh, maybe Connor McDavid assists is a first-round pick, and maybe Connor McDavid's goals are like a second-round pick. For sure. I, I, I don't remember anyone. When, when Connor gets smoking hot, like it is 80s-like, and – Guys do get hot. Nathan McKinnon gets hot. Austin Matthews gets hot. I think the one guy that I would put in with Leon and Connor is Kucherov. He's yes. the one guy that can put together like three games where he puts up 11 points or 13. Or He's he's the only other player. And there's lots of great ones, right? Like this, this isn't to say that they're not great. But just have like a week where you're like, oh, my gosh, like what a week. He just he had what some players would consider a good month. Right in in three or four games, so that that's the kind of talent they have offensively. That just 
exudes ability. And when they're on a roll along with their team, they can put up those kinds of points. I look at Kucherov when the, when the Lightning were playing well, he's putting up all those points. They've struggled recently. He's not putting up the points. Like it, it, it's hard to do. It's hard to do both at that level. I'm not saying if McDavid wasn't on a team that lost 45 games that he wouldn't have, you know, maybe 115 or 120 points. Right. But to get to 140, 150 or higher, your, your team's got to be really good as well to go with it. Yeah, and, and the Lightning, you know, missing their star goaltender, so they're chasing yep. a little bit more in games, and it, and it changes the way uh, that you play. One thing we know, McDavid, Dreisaitl, all these young players, if you ask Bedard, if you ask McKinnon, all these guys, they want the Olympic Games. Steven Stamkos desperately wants yeah. the Olympic Games. It would be his last shot. Uh, you know, you, you've seen that buzz when the NHLers are there. How important do you think it is for this league to get back to that five-ring circus? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well said. It Because it, it, you, you kind of feel like a bit of a clown not covering the best on best in the NHL. They, they do it everywhere else. And it's funny because McDavid, uh, I remember he was asked about the World Baseball Classic, I think it was, uh, especially uh, Otani versus Mike Trout, right? Who wasn't like glued to their television thinking of that? Who wouldn't want to see you know, McDavid and Crosby uh, versus uh, Matthews and, well, I'll just say Patrick Kane, let's say. Um, I mean, that, that's kind of what we would like to see. You know, when you look back at those highlights from the World Cups and the Canada Cups and seeing best on best and, of course, the Olympics. I mean, it, 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 the reason it's so special, it's because it doesn't happen very often. But it, for it not to happen at all is uh, just seems inappropriate. There, there should be a way of getting this done. So we can see uh, best on best. I remember McDavid made a comment about it, and I think it went like, I don't know, viral. I'm not sure if it went viral, but it got a lot of attention. And I remember him saying afterwards, I can't remember who it was. He said, well, you're not going to ask me about that again, right? Because last time I answered that. And, you know, he's just being honest. I think yeah. he, he's speaking like a fan, which is what Connor is. He, he's eventually, uh, you know, before he got to the NHL and after he leaves the NHL, He's a fan, just like all of us. And so the idea of him playing with Crosby like Lemieux played with Gretzky just it just seems a shame that it hasn't happened yet, but hope, hope, hope that it happens soon. That's how the torch has passed. Uh, you know, we're, you and I are old enough to remember Lemieux becoming such a better player uh, after he played yeah. with uh, Wayne Gretzky in the, in the 87 Canada Cup. And, you know, for me, the greatest goal in, in hockey history. I know a lot of people are going to go back to Henderson, but Gretzky to Lemieux and, yeah. you know, McDavid... Yeah wants to play against the best we want to watch the best so whether it's world cup or or the olympics uh, i i think it needs to happen and you know you you've been in that situation you've also been in the chair you're in now uh well not specifically but the host chair for the Oilers for <laughs> yeah. for many years what is it like as being the host broadcaster you're around the team a lot that can be sometimes really awesome but it can sometimes also maybe not be so awesome if the team isn't going yeah. well or different things, but what's the life of a host broadcaster like? Well, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, um, I, I've been at it 25 years now hosting the Oilers and, uh, and in television 36 years. So the, the, the days, the weeks, months, years, decades go by fast, but I would say the 25, you know, for me, uh, the the addition to the to the stories that I'm from Edmonton and and grew up watching the Oilers and celebrated back then on Jasper Avenue uh, when they used to win their Stanley Cup. So th there's something inside of me that that always has cheered for the Oilers. Now I don't do that on TV. Uh, I think one of the things I've learned is a to be professional or at least try to and b I do find myself cheering for other players and other I don't know if other teams, but you meet so many great people along the way. Uh, I remember like hating Calgary growing up and I remember I had a job opportunity in Calgary and I was like, I'm not applying for that. And people are like, what are you doing? What do you mean you're not applying for the job? Well, I'm not, a, I would never work in Calgary. So uh, times change, people change. Uh, but the Battle of Alberta just instilled this, this vibe that, you know, you can't do or say or like anything uh, involving Calgary and in particular the Flames. That's changed over the years. I remember Jerome McGinley, uh, I mean, how do you like not Jerome? You know, how do you not like him? Right? He's a great guy, and he was a great player. Yeah, he hurt the Oilers, but, I mean, that was what made him so great. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I didn't think that he was, you know, a good person. I, I'm always hoping that the Oilers win twofold, the fan in me and the broadcaster in me. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I, I think if you're playing a sport 
and you make a bunch of mistakes during a game and you lose, you just those those mistakes just compounded by the loss. Um, you play a game and you lose, but you or you you make those mistakes and you win. Um, it just you still got to tidy up, but it just feels so much better. And I know for broadcast, sometimes we may not have as good a broadcast, but the team wins and it, it just gives you kind of an uplifting feeling. Vice versa, you might have what's a killer broadcast. You think this is so great, but the team loses, and at the end, you kind of finish on a downer, right? So, uh, but I mean, dream come true for me. Uh, wanted to be a pro athlete, not happening. Broadcasting was was my second choice and one that I was excited to get involved in. And so, to cover the hometown team and be around them for this long, and then make I wouldn't say friends, but acquaintances with Paul Coffey and Grant Fuhr and. Glenn Anderson and Wayne Gretzky and uh, Charlie Huddy and Doug Waite to the Alish Hemskys. I mean, all it doesn't have to just be the, you know, the boys on the bus all the way to present day when I see Fernando Pisani, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just great to see these guys that you covered. Um, and uh, as I said, I, I, you know, people say, are you friends? I say, no, I'm not friends, but I'm friendly uh, with them, which is, is kind of neat for a local kid to have that opportunity. And two local kids in 06 uh, experiencing the cup run, yourself and Fernando Pisani. I mean, we can't yeah. for who could forget the Fernando yeah. song being blared everywhere. And, you know, in, in the yeah. Italian community, I mean, that must have been one of the, your, your most uh, cherished career highlights to be able to celebrate that with another Italian in Edmonton. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It was uh, bravo, <laughs> Fernando. I mean, he, uh, he was unbelievable. I actually remember... Uh, Times are different back then. I don't think I could get away with this now, but after the first round win against Detroit, the Oilers were nice enough. Fernando and I met down on 95th Street in Little Italy at Spinelli's, the Italian center shop, and we had a, we had a cappuccino, a latte together out, out front and did an interview at the same time. And I thought, what are the odds of getting, let's say, Ryan Nugent Hopkins out for a coffee uh, between rounds and sitting outside in public doing an interview. I'd love to do it. I don't even know if we'd ask nowadays. You know, things are things are a bit different. But I always, yeah, I had a soft spot for Fernando and still do to this day, partly because of what he did, partly because he's an Edmontonian, and certainly, you know, a, a fair amount has to do with the fact he's Italian background. So, and I still see uh, Fernando. I used to bug him about, not bug him, but I used to bring up 06. Every time I would get like an 06 memory, I'd send it to him. And he's like, okay. He goes, all right, I get it. I get it. We didn't win, you know? Uh, but you know, it was funny. I was just in Carolina and, and their staff, uh, the, the camera crew, the TV crew were talking about Fernando and how at two, one, he had a puck just, you know, Cam Ward made this great stop and it would have made it 2-2 and, you know, who knows after that. So people don't forget. It's It's been a long time, uh, but people don't forget uh, what was, uh, you know, a, a run that, that brought the city together. Yeah, I talked to Craig McTavish a while ago. He said it stings more now. I, I thought maybe it would yeah. get easier, but it stings more. And, and the Pisani legend is growing because his son, Teo, uh, star with the Saints in the making, uh, starting to really find his uh his footing in in that one and scored a couple of beautiful goals uh the other night at the new uh, silent ice center so uh the the tradition continues for the pisani family and you have been known as the prince or principe of puns and it's a, <laughs> a thing that's you know a, a terrific following I, I wonder how many times people come up to you and either ask you on the spot to give them a pun or maybe they well, give you a pun and and want your approval whether it's at rogers place or you know in the mall is does it does it happen quite a bit yeah yeah it sounds like you've been tailing me yeah that, that <laughs> happens <laughs> it happens all the time and i love it but it's amazing you'll be in a grocery store or something you know pushing your car getting your groceries sometimes people won't even not that they won't say hello but it's more like hey you got a pun like um Sometimes, yes, you know, are you cereal if we're in the cereal aisle, you know, uh, I mean, what it, it just depends. And sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just saving them for TV. And then there are times people will give them to me um, and, and I'm open to, to suggestions. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. So uh, I've always felt like about puns that lots of people do them or can do them, uh, maybe have decided not to do them on TV. Of course, you know, we, we got to bow down to Ron McLean, who was the initial a guy I always laughs sometimes on social media when someone will say, hey, Ron McLean's using Gene Prince-based material. And I'm like, uh, well, you know, if you go in order, uh, Ron, of course, was, you know, made famous by his uh, 
his extras or closing lines on on the coach's corner. Yeah. Uh, I think people love to hear Don, and then they were just just kind of hang there waiting for what was he going to say to finish it up. So you know what, uh, Dino, it's it's been a, incredible to think how long I've been doing them that I that I still do them uh, that people still find them entertaining or annoying or somewhere in between and that it's it's a conversation piece uh, with social media it's kind of taken on more because in the old days you would do something and it was gone like right that's it see ya unless you tape the game or whatever but nowadays it it, it lives on uh through social media uh certainly over the years uh, the world has changed so I, I, I'm a little more careful on what I do and what I say or try to be because I, I really I never intended on offending people. But, you know, if I think that that's something that might offend people, I'll, I'll try it playing safe instead of sorry. Sometimes I, I struggle with it, but I, I get it, you know. And, and the other thing I've always said about players and players' families, the organization, I want to have fun with them. I don't want to make fun of them uh, because I just feel like that's not really what I what I want to come across as and uh, you know, players uh, they're my lifeline. And if for some reason I start to offend them or their families, then that doesn't do me any good. Yeah. And it's uh, it, it is so different. Things live on forever, which can be good or yeah. bad, depending on certainly what yeah. happens, but you, you know, my favorite of yours and, and it was a line that you used to use in highlights. And I, I love yeah. for you to host a game in a baseball stadium again, cause you could yeah. use this line, you know it. Yeah. You can butter that one. It is toast. Um, I used to love uh, just to give people a little background check. Uh, you, when you were like 18 years old, would were, were watching the show even at a younger age. Your brother Darren was on uh, with me, or I with him, and uh, you used to call our trivia line. Back in those days, we actually used to uh, pick up the phone and uh, and and. and uh, but for sure, I I would love to be able to use that line again uh, in baseball. But uh, I don't cover any baseball anymore. Very little. I don't do any baseball highlights. So. It doesn't really work with hockey when someone scores a goal, you know. I, I guess you could, but you would be using it a lot, yeah. uh, especially with the way the Oilers score goals. So it's kind of in, on the back burner, but I, I love talking about it because it brings back uh, good memories of work and good memories of life working in Winnipeg back then. Yeah, I literally was told by my late mother to stop calling in because my brother, that was his job. And I had to, like, literally yeah. I had to be told because I would just give joke answers, as I, you know, to I, irritate Darren. I remember. Yeah. yeah, I remember. That was great. Oh, it's Dean again. <laughs> yeah. That's before call screening. Um, speaking yes. of uh, annoyances, you have refereed uh, some football. You're a huge uh, footy yeah. fan. Do you think, and I've been in rinks a lot more lately, I'm getting to know referees. I think sports fans in general, they need to lay off referees because without referees, we don't have games. Yeah. Are, are you still uh, officiating? And, you know, does ever somebody got on your case and then realized it's you and then kind of like backed off? Like, I wonder what it's like in this in the football world. Like, is it like hockey where we need officials? I, I get to talk to Mike Civic daily in the JPHL and, and I'm looking up all the time at Mike Civic, but <laughs> he is training the next generation of referees. But we're not going to have those referees if people don't actually relax at these minor sporting events. Yeah, I'm I'm splitting two on this. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, you know, I refereed for about twenty years. Uh, yeah, about twenty years, and uh, I was in. Uh, I got to nominate a national program for Canada uh, in soccer, and uh, you know, refereed high level. Uh, we, we used to be called the A League. And was involved in some high-level club soccer, and uh, I loved it. I, I, it was it was such a great extension of being a player. Um, but I, I know myself; I yell at referees when I coach my daughter's team, and I usually give myself kind of loud yell a half, and then that's it. But I, I find um, it's not fair to the referees. Uh, disagree or agree? I used to think when I refereed soccer, I mean, I would make maybe hundred decisions in a game. So what, what's the right amount to be right? It'd be nice to be a hundred or 90 out of 90. You know, that's not going to be the case. So I think it was important that the, the, the big calls you got right as often as you could and, and, and not worry as much about the smaller calls. But I know I find myself too. I start 
kind of yelling or raising my, I wouldn't say, uh, sometimes it's yelling. It's more just raising your voice so that sure. you can be heard. Um, I don't think it's right, but it doesn't stop me from doing it. But I, I have, I have kind of scaled back on that. Cause I just, I remember what it was like being in the middle, getting yelled at. It's, it's not fun. You are doing your best. I think the most important part when you're dealing with younger referees, first of all, do not yell. Uh, you know, that would feel very intimidating to be at a rink, at a baseball diamond, at a soccer field and having these adults yelling at you. I think it's important, uh, you know, for soccer, for example, locally, we get a we get a form that we are to fill out after every game. And I, I think if you do that properly and unbiased, that is your best way of giving feedback in a proper fashion that will go to the right people so that we know that this official is doing well and ready to either stay at that level or move up or this official's not ready to move up they need more time at this level or conversely maybe this person isn't ready for what we've given them we have to backtrack a bit and let this person work their way back up i, th I think constructive criticism right um is is the way to do it but otherwise it goes from constructive to destructive and that's not what we want to do especially with our young officials so I'm, a, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here, Dean, but this is another refresher to, and the other thing I would say too, I find when I'm like that on the bench, or if I get to, it, it doesn't calm your team down for sure. No. It just raises their level of anxiety and, and pressure. And then they get into it and you're like, Hey, wait a minute. You're like, wait a minute, you started this. So it's a good way to calm everybody down if you're calm. Yeah, it's a it's a game of uh, unfortunate follow the leader where they think, oh, yep. I, he's reacting that way. And yeah, listen, I think we all have that initial reaction of like, hey, but then if that's it, that's fine. We, we can yeah. all have that yeah. initial like, hey, what's, and then you can maybe like, okay, I don't need yeah. to, you know, maybe there's something he saw. We all react to a hit or something, and then maybe you take that extra second before, uh, you, you know, you, you get into it. But we're all fans. We're all passionate. Even the referees, yeah. when they're watching other games, can be, be the same way, and they are a referee. So it's it's not taking it that extra, you know, where you're berating or, or whatever. I think it's like catching ourselves after, you know, that first initial sort of impulse yeah. because it is young people out there learning their craft. Mm -hmm. um, we're really excited, Gene. Sorry. Uh, we're really excited that the winter championship takes place December yeah. 13th to the 17th. And the 17th is our gold medal day. Uh, and we have Gene Principe yourself coming out. I'm very, very excited. I know the kids are going to be off the walls, excited to, you know, see the, the guy that is interviewing McDavid and dry yeah. and Nugent Hopkins, you know, firing some questions at them. And we're, we're so happy that you've agreed to come out for a couple of games, Gene, and, and give these kids and their parents a thrill. So thank you very much for, for doing that and, and being a part of our championship on the 17th. Yeah, I wish I could do more. Unfortunately, we, we leave uh, bright and early the next morning uh, for the New York road trip. And I just wanted to spend some time at home the night before. Otherwise, I would have loved to have done all four games. You know, Hey, I love what I'm doing. Uh, it's fantastic covering the Oilers and covering the NHL. And listen, it, it, it's a wonderful dream job. But I, like the players I cover, I didn't start there. I started working my way up, just like Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Leon Drysaddle, Derek Ryan, Stuart Skinner, whoever you know, whoever it is. So I, I do miss because my job doesn't really allow me to do what I will do on December 17th. So it'll be great to. To sort of mix in, I, I, I find young people keep you young, and I guess that's part of the reason with hockey and in the NHL, there's always young people around. There's another 18 or 19 year old that was drafted that comes onto a team, and so I, I remember being the age of the players to the age of the parents, and give me a few more years, I might be the age of the the grandparents. So I, I, I'm I'm glad you asked. I'm glad I can make it out there, and I really look forward to having some fun and just watching some games and seeing some great young players that maybe in two or three or four or five years, either I'll remember them or they'll remember me and say, Hey, remember that time we did, you did those JPL games and it was a Sunday and our team won five, three and you interviewed me. And so I'm, I'm happy to do it and really look forward to it. Awesome. Uh, we can't wait for it. And uh, you know, in, enjoy this uh, homestand and then you'll uh, get away for Christmas. But Gene, uh, you know, having known you for, 
and over 30 years, uh, whatever it, whatever it's been, it's been a pleasure knowing you and, and, and continuing to get to know you, and it'll be fun to work with you again. Thanks so much for joining us on Game Changers, and enjoy this, uh, what could be an epic comeback and a terrific yeah. uh, finish uh, to a tough season with the Oilers. Thanks so much, Gene. Yeah, look forward to it, Paul. Take care. So much fun chatting with Gene. Uh, easily the nicest man when it comes to meeting. Maybe the nicest man I've, I've ever met. He's such a great guy and can't wait to work with him at the Winter Championship. And Ed Sawatsky uh, doing terrific stuff with Lethbridge United. So thanks to both of them uh, for their time today. SilentIceTV.com is the home for the JPHL the HSL and special events like the Winter Championship, the Challenge Cup, and more. You can watch live games or catch up on what you missed, plus game changers, past episodes, new episodes, and more great content produced by 4Vengeance Media. And man, we have a lot on the go that we are very, very excited about, uh, especially that Winter Championship Gold Medal Sunday. I'd like to thank Gene Principe and Ed Sawatsky for joining me on the program and you, the viewer and the listener, uh, for tuning in and catching up with what's going on in Game Changers, home of hockey. My name is Dean Millard. It's been a pleasure being your host. We'll see you again next time. If I don't see you again at the rink, remember, it's always a great time to double pad stack. See you later.